listening to the Finance Professor podcast brought to you by financeprofessor.org. Hi, I'm Linus Wilson. Discrete Portfolio Adjustment with Fixed Transaction Costs by Linus Wilson, Associate Professor of Finance, University of Louisiana at Lafayette, B.I. Moody College of Business, Department of Economics and Finance. This is not investment advice. Abstract. This paper presents a closed form solution to the portfolio adjustment problem in discrete time when the investor faces fixed transaction costs. This transaction cost model assumes a mean variance investor who wants to adjust her holdings of a risky and risk-free asset. It is shown how this model can be calibrated to be used with a variety of risk models such as life cycle portfolio weights and value at risk models. The decision problem can be easily inputted into and calculated in Excel. Section 1 Introduction Investors often target portfolio weights but are faced with the dilemma of whether they should or should not undertake costly trades to move their portfolios to that target. Such trading often involves fixed commissions or a fixed expenditure of time that is largely unrelated to the investor's assets under management. The fixed cost of trading assumption ignores issues of market impact endemic to large funds. Thus, this model is most appropriate for small portfolios in more liquid markets where the investor has little or no impact on market prices. This paper attempts to develop a transaction cost model for an investor who faces a fixed cost of trading between a risky asset and a safe asset. The model is meant to be easily calibrated to a wide degree of risk models. The investor only needs estimates of the expected returns of the asset, its expected volatility, the risk-free rate, the size of the current allocation to the risky asset, her account balance, and the transaction costs of trading. Narang 2009 says that a quantitative approach to investment centers on three different models. First, an alpha model generates investment expected returns and hopefully tells the investor the precision or volatility of those estimates. Second, a risk model determines how much weight a risky asset should be in the investor's portfolio based on some risk management principles. Lastly, a transaction cost model is used to determine if the costs of trading are exceeded by the benefits of trading. This paper attempts to propose a simple transaction cost model that can be used in conjunction with a wide variety of alpha and risk models. This paper presents a closed form solution to calibrate the model to be consistent with risk models as diverse as age-based portfolio weights or value-at-risk models. Moreover, optimal portfolio rebalancing thresholds can be numerically estimated using the goal-seek function in Excel. Markowitz and Deek, 2003, point out that Continuous time approaches to transaction cost modeling using continuous time Bellman equations of Bellman 1957 become quickly computationally impossible as one adds state variables into the mix. In other words, a complex alpha model 
make, make for a computationally impossible transaction model. Examples of Elman equation modeling of portfolio selection with transaction costs are too numerous to do justice here. Early examples are Constanides and Zabel, and more recent example, and a more recent example is Sun et al. 2006. Markovitz and Deke attempt to simplify the transaction cost problem using discrete portfolio weights of 10, 20, 30 to 100 percent and Markov chains. This approach is much more computationally complex than the present paper, and the present paper does not need to resort to a limited set of 11 possible portfolio weights as Markovitz and Van Dyck. Overtrading is widely recognized to substantially eat up returns. Men and women were found to have lost 2.65 and 1.72% per annum respectively from excessively trading their discount brokerage accounts, according to Barber and Odeon 2001. A tractable model of transaction costs, which can be put into a spreadsheet, may help investors increase their returns. Section 2, the mean variance investors problem. Since Markovitz 1952, financial theory has focused on selecting portfolios with high returns and low variance. Von Neumann and Morgenstern, 1947, introduced the concept of expected utility maximization. Frund proved that a consumer with exponential utility facing normally distributed outcomes will maximize expected utility with the function below. V is expected utility function of the investor based on its allocation to the risky asset WT at time T. R subscript P subscript T is the portfolio return at time T and sigma PT is the portfolio volatility at time T. We assume that the investor allocates money between the risky asset and the risk-free asset. Let R bar subscript T be the expected return to the risky asset at time T and sigma T is the volatility of the risky asset. RF is the return to the risk-free asset at time T. Gamma is a measure of the investor's risk aversion. Gamma is greater than zero. Indeed, it is the Arrow-Pratt measure of absolute risk aversion for this investor. The expected utility equation one was generated in Fru 1956 from the utility function utility equals one minus the exponential number to the power of gamma C, where C is consumption. Equation one says expected utility equals the expected return to the portfolio minus one-half times gamma times the variance of the portfolio. Optimizing this investor's expected utility leads to the following optimal weight in the risky asset. The weight of the risky asset is equal to the expected return of the risk-free asset minus the risk-free rate over gamma times the variance of the risky asset. That is equation two. Given the expected return minus the risk-free rate is greater than zero, 
we can assume that that investor will have some positive weight in the risky asset. The investor has risky portfolio weights at time t minus one of w t minus one. If transaction costs were zero, the investor would move to her optimal allocation at time t of w star t. The investor has a fixed transaction cost of adjusting its portfolio of t. The investor has assets of b at time t. Thus, reallocating the portfolio reduces the investor's returns by tau divided by b. The transaction cost tau is risk-free, so it reduces the expected return when scaled by investment assets, but it does not affect variance. The mean variance investor will only reallocate if the following are true in equation three. This inequality simplifies to the following with a little algebra in equation four. If the inequality is satisfied, the investor reallocates at time t, otherwise she does not. If we substitute in the optimal rate weight of the risky asset, then with some algebra, this inequality that must be satisfied for the investor to trade is as follows in equation five. Proposition one. The mean variance investor will be more eager to readjust her portfolio at time t if the fixed transaction costs of trading tau are smaller, or b, the balance of her assets b, is bigger. The proof is below. Part a also follows from differentiated the left-hand side of the constraint. The first derivative with respect to tau is negative 1 over b, which is obviously negative. Thus, an increase in the fixed cost of trading makes it harder to satisfy the constraint. In a similar fashion, we can prove part B by differentiating the investor's expected return by the balance of her assets, which is tau over b squared, which is clearly positive. When the investor has a greater account balance, adjustments become more profitable relative to the fixed costs of trading, QED. It is clear that the trading constraint relaxes linearly as transaction costs decline, but the constraint is progressively less affected by larger account balances. To show that, we have the second derivative of the expected utility of the investor. Second derivative with respect to transaction costs is zero, but the second derivative with respect to account balance is a negative number, which is negative two tau divided by b cubed, which is less than zero. When the investor is increasing the allocation to the risky asset, a a higher expected return to the risky asset in excess of the risk-free rate will make the investor more eager to reallocate at time t. b. A higher parameter of risk aversion, gamma, decreases the investor's willingness to increase the holdings of the risky asset at time t. c. A higher variance of the risky asset makes the investor less eager to increase the holdings of the risky asset at time t. The quantity in square brackets on the left-hand side of the constraint can be expressed as the following in equation nine. 
Thus, when the investor wants to increase the weight of the risky asset, we can interpret Proposition 2. It is clear that this constraint is more easily satisfied when the gap between the expected return and the risk-free return is greater. The first derivative of pi, the expected return, with respect to the coefficient of risk aversion shows that the higher investor risk aversion makes the investor less eager to trade when the optimal allocation calls for an increase in the holdings of the risky asset equation 11. The quantity in square brackets is positive. When risk aversion is greater, the investor is less inclined to increase her holdings of the risky asset in the face of fixed transaction costs. That proves part B of the proposition. A similar relationship can prove part C of the proposition by differentiating the investor's expected return by the variance of the risky asset. Find that to be negative. Intuitively, a greater variance of the risky asset discourages the variance-averse investor from increasing risky asset holdings. Alternatively, when the investor wants to decrease the weight of the risky asset, then we have the opposite sign for the first derivative in 13. That proves Proposition 3. Proposition 3. When the investor is decreasing the allocation to the risky asset, a lower expected return to the risky asset in excess of the risk-free rate will make the investor more eager to reallocate at time t. Proposition 4. The greater the square difference between the desired allocation and the previous allocation, the more the investor desires to move to a new allocation of the risky asset at time t. By substituting the right-hand side of equation 9 into equation 5, it is easy to show that the left-hand side of the constraint can be expressed as the following. Thus, if we differentiate the squared difference between the desired and current allocation, with respect to the investor's expected return, we get gamma sigma t squared, which is obviously greater than zero. Intuitively, the investor is under more impetus to reallocate when the per previous allocation to the risky asset is more distant from her desired allocation, wt star. Section 3, calibrating the coefficient of risk aversion to various risk models. The biggest stumbling block to implementing such a model is determining the investor's coefficient of risk aversion. Risk models that specify a portfolio allocation can be used to determine the coefficient of risk aversion gamma according to the utility function in equation one. It is unlikely and not necessary that the risk model used will employ the simple mean variance expected utility function in equation one. Equation two can be inverted to solve for a reasonable coefficient of risk aversion to evaluate the inequality in equation four. If the risk target WT star, the expected risk premium, and the variance of the risky asset are estimated, we can back out the coefficient of risk aversion from equation two, and in equation 16, the coefficient of risk aversion, gamma, is equal to the expected return of the risky asset in excess of the risk-free rate divided by the target portfolio weight divided by the variance of the risky asset. In the examples that follow, the investors will 
know the target weight from the risk models and use that to solve for the coefficients of risk aversion in the transaction cost model. Life cycle portfolio allocations. Large mutual fund providers often offer life cycle funds which reduce an investor's holdings of stocks as they age and increase their holdings of bonds. Many financial planners make similar recommendations to their clients. Suppose that a financial planner tells his clients that 50-year-olds should hold 50% stocks and 50% bonds, and 30-year-olds should hold 70% stocks and 30% bonds. What is the implied coefficient of risk aversion if sigma t, the standard deviation of the risky asset, equals 18%, and the risk premium of the risky asset over the risk-free rate is 7.5%. The 50-year-old's coefficient of risk aversion is 4.63, and the 30-year-old has a coefficient of risk aversion of 3.307, according to equation 16. Suppose the stock market has been rising. The 50-year-old and the 30-year-old value their leisure at $30 an hour, and it takes 20 minutes to rebalance. They are both trying to follow the advice of their financial planner when managing their retirement funds. The young man has an account balance of $100,000, and the older man has an account balance of $400,000. How high must their stock allocations rise above their target before they rebalance at a cost of $10 of leisure? assuming there are no monetary trading costs. Solving for the initial stock allocation, WT-1, that makes the net benefit of adjusting the portfolio zero for these parameter values is 51.8% for the older man and 73.6% for the younger man. The 300% larger account balance will make the older man rebalance more frequently with the rising stock market. 3.2 value at risk VAR type metrics. Value at risk models attempt to manage portfolios so certain dollar loss will only happen with a pre-specified probability. Suppose that a portfolio manager running 10 million only wants to lose 3% or 300,000 in a given month with a 5% probability. The risky asset is found to have a monthly volatility of 6% and an expected monthly return of 2%. The risk-free rate is 0.1% per month. Assuming the returns are normally distributed, then the manager will want to hold a weight of 38.9% of assets in the risky asset and the rest in cash based on his VAR rule. Inserting these parameters into equation 16, the implied coefficient of risk aversion is 13.57. The portfolio manager faces a transaction cost of $5, including her time and trading commissions. If the allocation of the risky asset is too low, the portfolio manager will rebalance only if the risky asset allocation falls below 38.45%. Section 4, Conclusion. This paper has developed an easy-to-apply transaction cost model for an investor that faces a fixed cost of adjusting her portfolio between a risky and risk-free asset. This model is most appropriate for investors who will have little or no impact on market prices. The paper assumes mean variance preferences to generate closed-form solutions to the transaction cost problem. The transaction cost model can be used in conjunction with a variety of risk models by using the desired portfolio weight of the risky asset from the alpha and risk models to estimate a coefficient of absolute risk aversion 
for the transaction cost model. The investor just needs a forecasted mean return and variance projection for the risky asset to apply the transaction cost model in this paper. There are several insights developed from this model. An investor will be more motivated to adjust her portfolio to her target if the fixed cost of adjustment is lower, her account balance is larger, and her current portfolio weight is distant from her target portfolio weight to the risky asset. In addition, when the investor wants to increase her weight in the risky asset, she will be more inclined to do so when the expected risk premium is larger, her coefficient of absolute risk aversion is lower, and the variance of the risky asset is lower. Finally, when she wants to decrease her holdings of the risky asset, she will be more eager to do so when the expected risk premium is lower. Check out our show notes blog. Links to that are at financeprofessor.org and sign up for our free newsletter. Bye-bye for now. I'm Linus Wilson.